Well, this morning, we're going to continue our journey through the book of 1 Corinthians. So I'd encourage you to take your Bibles or your electronic devices and join me over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page number 957. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Please follow along as I read verses 19 through 27. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. May God bless the reading of his word to us this morning. Just to catch you up real quickly, you'll remember here in the book of 1 Corinthians, it's divided into two sections. In the first six chapters, the Apostle Paul is dealing with problems and issues that he knew were present in the church in Corinth. Beginning in chapter 7 to the end of the book, the Apostle Paul is answering questions that they have asked of him. Now, we don't have the questions. All we have are the answers. So at times we have to speculate what's being asked. It's like, as we've said before, it's like hearing one half of a phone conversation. You're in the room. You hear someone talking on the phone. Uh, you can make some things out. You can come to conclusions, but you're not hearing the other half of the conversation. So we don't know what their questions were, but we have Paul's answers. And at the end of chapter 6, we find what I consider to be the key verse and the hinge point to this whole book. With the problems that existed that he dealt with in the first six chapters and the questions that they're asking from chapter 7 to the end of the book, there is one principle there that will apply to all of them, and it's this principle that we are to do what? All right, let's say it again. What are we all to do? So we are to glorify God, and if we focus on that, will have the ability to get to the answers for whatever it is that's facing us. Uh, you may recognize the guy in the picture coming up on the screen. 
right now. Some of you have mixed emotions about Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady is considered by most to be the greatest quarterback that has ever played in the National Football League. He led the Patriots to 17 division titles, including 11 consecutive titles from 2009 to 2019. He led them to 13 AFC Championship games, including eight consecutive from 2011 to 2018. Okay, Browns fans, we could only wish that we've had that kind of success. He's taken them to nine Super Bowl appearances, and he won six of those Super Bowls. He holds nearly every major quarterback record, including most career passing yards, completions, touchdown passes, games started. He is the NFL leader in career quarterback wins, regular season wins, playoff wins, and he's been the Super Bowl's most valuable player award. Matter of fact, he's the only Super Bowl most valuable player who's won it for two different teams. Uh, he is the only quarterback to win a Super Bowl in three separate decades. He was the oldest National Football League most valuable player at age 40, the oldest Super Bowl most valuable player at age 43, and the oldest quarterback to be selected to the Pro Bowl at age 44. His record kind of speaks for itself. Well, how was he able to do all of this? And what was part of his key to this longevity? Part of it he would attribute to the schedule that he kept. He kept this schedule pretty much every day. He would wake up at 5.30 a.m., he would drink an electrolyte water and a smoothie. At 7 a.m., he would have breakfast with his family. From 8 to 10.30, he would hit the gym for strengthening and conditioning. At 11 o'clock, he would review game footage. At noon, he would have lunch. From 3 to 5, he would either have team practice or in the off-season, he would surf and work out. From 5 to 6, he had a post-workout pliability session. At 6 p.m., he had dinner with his family. At 7 o'clock, he would review film or strategy with his coach, or he would do some type of charity work. At 7.30, he had family time, including reading to his kids. At 8.30, it was lights out and to bed. He hit the hay at 8.30, pretty much every night, gets up at 5.30, pretty much every morning. But everything has to be right. The temperature in his room has to be between 60 and 65 degrees when he's sleeping. He sleeps on a special mattress with a diamond memory foam, uh, and he also has his magic pajamas. They're a bio-ceramic infused sleepwear made by Under Armour to increase energy, promote recovery, and improve performance. 
And by the way, you can have your own, very own set of these pajamas for only $200 a pair. When it comes to his diet, he's a fanatic. No white bread, no potatoes, no french fries, no chicken nuggets. All he opts for is organic foods. He starts each day with his hydration, with his electrolyte, his water infused with electrolytes, and then in addition to that, he drinks 12 to 25 glasses of water every single day. He doesn't eat any dairy, gluten, soy, sugar, trans fats, corn, soy, alcohol, coffee, MSGs, GMOs, or any other overly processed foods. I wonder what the guy eats. <laughs> He's eliminated everything from my diet. <laughs> now, you don't have to say it. I know I look like it as well. <laughs> but all of this he does... Why did he do all of that? Because he had a strategy that he was following, and he had a desire to win. As we look at our passage before us, I want us to see, first of all, that as we run this Christian race, we need to run with a strategy. We need to run with a strategy. The Apostle Paul often in his writings will use illustrations that revolve around athletics because he knew that most people could relate to that. And here in Corinth, they had the biannual Ithmian Games, or the Isthmian Games, that were second in fame only to the Olympics. And so as he uses this imagery of running and of winning, it is something they would understand very well. Now, the Apostle Paul is focusing here on running with a strategy, and he's running that he might win others to Christ. Last week, as Pastor Bruce was sharing with you, he talked about Paul's focus to the gospel and how important the gospel was to him. If you look up in verse 16, Paul says in the last part of it, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. In verse 18, he says, what then is my reward that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge. The Apostle Paul talked about in the previous verses how he was worthy of support from those in Corinth, but that he wasn't taking it, nor did he want it, so that he could promote the gospel free of charge to others. It was about the gospel. Now let's think for a moment about what are we talking about when we say the word gospel. The Apostle Paul defines it for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It is that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. 
That is the gospel. Christ, the promised one, the Messiah, came. He died upon the cross. He shed his blood to pay the price for our sins. He rose again the third day to show that he had victory over death and that he could impart that victory to all who will believe in him. That is the gospel by which we are saved. There's no other way we can be saved but by the gospel. And that's why it is so important for us that we get this gospel out and that we share it with all in our world. Remember, Jesus gave us the commission that we were to take this to the very ends of the earth. And it is important because aside from the gospel, no one can be saved. Hear me very clearly this morning. If you're a guest with us this morning, it's not about the works that you do. There's none righteous, no, not one. You cannot do enough good works to get you into heaven. It's not about baptism. Though baptism is a sign for believers that they are followers of Christ, baptism will not and cannot save you. It's not about which church you belong to. You can belong to every church in this town. And that still is not enough to get you into heaven. It is all about the gospel. It is all about Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so if you're here this morning as a guest, if you get nothing else out of this service this morning, I hope that you will leave here knowing that there's one and only one way of salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. If you're a person that's attending this church and you've been attending it for years, I hope you do not miss the most important thing that we present here, and that is you are saved through Jesus Christ and through him alone, by his grace, by you putting your faith in him. And Paul says, in order to get this gospel out I'm going to become all things to all people. Five times in this passage, he shares the importance of winning others to Christ. Look at it, verse 19. He says, I am free from all, I have made myself a servant of all, that I might win more of them. Look in verse 2, middle of verse 2. In order to win Jews. That's verse 20, I'm sorry. In order to win Jews. If you jump down from verse 20 to the end of it, he says, that I might win those under the law. If you jump down to verse 21 at the end of it, that I might win those outside the law. Verse 22, that I might win the weak. Five times Paul says in this passage that I might win, that I might win them to Christ. Now, let's make it clear. 
Paul is not under the delusion that he is the one that saves them. That is not what he is saying. But Paul is letting us know that we have a role as he had a role in presenting the gospel to others. We must resist the urge that some have because of their theology that says if they're going to be saved, they'll get saved and we don't have to do anything. That is the message that was given to William Carey when he announced that he was going to take the gospel overseas. And a church leader said, if God's elected them to be saved, they'll be saved and we don't have to go. That is not what the scriptures say. And that is not what the scriptures teach. The apostle Paul says, I'm becoming all things to all men that I might win some. So he sets the stage in verse 19 where he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. You say, how are those two things true? Matter of fact, this isn't the first time in 1 Corinthians, in his letter to the 1 Corinthians, he said that. That we are both completely free and we are also servants. Paul says, I am free of all. In Jesus, Christ has made us free. But Paul also says, I am a servant to Christ to do what he has called me to do. So I am free from all, and I am a servant to all. And Paul says, to the Jews, he became as a Jew. Now, how did he demonstrate that in his life? He demonstrated it, first of all, in his strategy. Whenever the Apostle Paul went into a new city, he took the gospel, first of all, to the Jews that were in that city. There were people there, the Jews, as the gospel is coming to them. Remember, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. So true believers of the Old Testament, when presented with Jesus, will accept him and follow him. So Paul would begin at the synagogue in the cities he would go in, and he would proclaim Jesus. So to the Jew, he became as a Jew. When the Jews would no longer accept the message, Paul would then go to the Gentiles. And to the Gentiles, he became a Gentile. To those who were underneath the law... Paul would behave in a way like he was underneath the law. For what purpose? To be able to reach them. That's why there was a point when he brought a young man along with him to take on his missionary journeys by the name of Timothy. Timothy had a Greek father and he had a Jewish mother. Timothy was not circumcised. Because the Gentiles were typically not circumcised. But Paul had Timothy circumcised, not because it was necessary for Timothy to be saved, but so that Timothy would not be of an offense to the Jewish people they were reaching out to. To the Jews, the Apostle Paul became as a Jew. To those under the law... 
He behaved as if he were under the law. To those not under the law, and Paul was not under the law, he said he was not bound by the law, but he would be as one that was not under the law, though he did say he was under the law of Christ. Well, what's it mean to be under the law of Christ? Remember, Jesus summed up all the commandments by saying they can be summed up in two commandments. You remember what that is? Number one, love God. Love God with all your being, with all that you are. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like the first, you're to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So Paul was always underneath that law of Christ, of loving God and loving his neighbor. To the strong, Paul would be strong. To the weak, Paul would be weak. For what purpose? Because he has a strategy. And what is his strategy? That people might be one to Jesus Christ. What is our strategy? What is your strategy? What is Butch's strategy? How about Maranatha Bible Church? What is our strategy that we might reach out to those who do not know Jesus? Can I be just open and honest this morning and confess that, you know what, in reading this, in preparing for this message, it was very convicting to me. I just want to be very open with you as a, a church. This is one of the weakest areas of my particular Christian walk. And I recognize it. I recognize that I am weak in this area. Uh, there have been opportunities that I have had to share the gospel that I've missed those opportunities. And afterwards, you know... I remember one occasion I had a wide open opportunity and as we were leaving my wife said to me, why didn't you just walk through that opportunity? Because I wasn't looking for it. And I wasn't ready for it. And one of the things that we recognize as a church that we've evaluated as elders, we as a church have to get better at this. Those of us here, corporately and individually, we have to get better at this. We have to be looking for the opportunities. As I read the Apostle Paul say, he's just looking all the time. And regardless of who the person was, if they didn't know Christ, he could relate to them. And he would find a way to relate to them so that he could share the gospel. And why is this so important? Because eternity hangs in the balance for every single individual. As a church, we are determined to get better at this. And you pray for us. A year ago, we brought on our staff at the end of last year a pastor of outreach and evangelism. 
And part of it was a response by our elders saying, we have to get better at this. And we would say overall, we've probably done a pretty good job in reaching out to people around the world. But we need to get better at it here locally with our community. That's why I want to encourage you. Even those little invite cards that were talked about in the opening that are back there this morning, take those, give it to someone, and invite them to come and be here with us on Easter. I promise you, the gospel will be clearly presented on Easter Sunday morning. Make that as an effort. But it's more than just inviting people to church. It's about us being ready to share our faith. So we need to improve on this. Paul was ready all the time. He says at the end of verse 22, I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So we need to run with a strategy. We also need to run to win. The, those who participated in these Greek games, they wanted to win. Now what was the prize for winning those games? They got a lifetime exemption from paying taxes and serving in the military. They got free tuition for education. They got a not-so-modest statue of themselves erected on the roadway that led to the site of the games. But the real prize was the crown that they would win from running. And get this, for the Isthmian games, the crown was a wreath of wild celery. You'd say, a wreath of wild celery? But that was so important to them because it marked them as the champion. In our Christian life, we need to run to win. Paul says in verse 24, don't you know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize. Everybody is participating, but only one is going to win the prize. Several years ago, when our grandsons were just starting out in playing baseball, at the, the end of their first season, they had their awards ceremonies, and they all got, both of, both of them got a participa participation uh, ribbon for doing it. When they were in the car leaving, their dad said, boys, enjoy it until you get home, because then they're going in the trash can. In this house, we don't take awards for participating. We play games to win. Now, you could all oh, how's that cruel. I guarantee pretty much every parent here, every grandparent here, when you go to a sporting event that your grandchildren are participating in, even the ones where they say, we're not keeping score. This is just for fun. Every parent and every grandparent knows what the store is. 
When I watched my, my little grandkids play in games when they were too young to even have the skills to play those games, I knew what the score was. They could say they weren't counting, but I was counting. And I know whether they won or they lost each of those games. Paul says if you're going to get in the race and you're going to run, you run to win. Why bother keeping score if you're not playing to win? I watch our pastors playing basketball on uh, Tuesday nights, and that's quite a sight to see at times. <laughs> but they know what the score is, and they are playing to win. And the next day, they're always talking about it, about who won and who won. Paul says, we need to run to win. And he says, the world does this for a perishable wreath, but we do it for something that's imperishable, something that is going to last for all eternity. Paul also gives us a warning at the end of this passage. He says in verse 20, I discipline my body and keep it under control lest ever after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul recognized that it is possible for us, after serving the Lord, giving our lives in dedication to him, that we can do things that will disqualify us. Now, it doesn't mean we lose our salvation. Those who participated in the Greek games had to be Greeks in order to participate in the games. If they were disqualified, they were still Greeks. Paul is not talking about a disqualification of losing our salvation. But we can lose our rewards. And that's why we have to continue to stay focused on serving the Lord, lest after we have served others, Lest after we have served the Lord, we make some stupid decision that disqualifies us. And I don't need to go through the litany of Christian leaders who over the course of the last decade have made some very dumb decisions that have disqualified them from ministry. And I believe he will disqualify them from receiving rewards that they had earned. In the sporting world, we have examples of that as well. Many of you will recognize the name Lance Armstrong. He was a sports icon for winning the Tour de France seven consecutive times from 1999 to 2005 after recovering from cancer. He was later stripped of all his titles when an investigation found that he had been using performance-enhancing drugs over the whole course of his career. He was in the race. He won. But then he was disqualified. And all that we, as followers of Christ, would not be disqualified 
but that we would stay faithful. Share the message of the gospel so that all may hear. And we pray that we might see many come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.